It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And 14 for Kirk Cousins and the Redskins. Loads of time. Fires downfield. It is picked off by Iloka. Pass was intended for Deshaun Jackson. Similar to a punt. It was third and long. Redskins turn the ball over. George. Hold on. He's, he's it's second day in a row. I've been he's silenced. silenced. Second day in a row. What Negative are you doing, one. Declan? What are you doing to me? Why do people even... I'm not even blaming Declan. Why do people turn the mics now? Is it just GL just has to... You've got to pod people down and silence them? Or oh, what? you know who sits here a lot, I bet? Oh, it's Pat. It's Pat. That's what And happens. they turn it down because he swears incessantly. It just faded As down. soon as the... No, I, I bet that's why. All right, that segment was a piece of... Yeah, I bet that's it. That's never happened before, though, where Pat has were mistakenly you, thought his were microphone you dived, was on. Where you dove or <laughs> dived across the table to hit the button to turn it off. What the button? Pat! Yeah, there was, there, there was a few times where uh, I think I, I broke Ooh. ribs diving across the desk. Anyways. Anyway, so George Iloka uh, officially has signed with the Vikings. The veteran safety was released by um, the Bengals last weekend. His play had been declining, but this is a guy that the Vikings pursued, Phil Mackey, heavily in free agency in 2016. I am going to give you the geeky, I can't believe I'm saying this, football take that I gave Collar on this, and this is so nerdy, but it's how I feel about it. Okay. I'm 48 years old, and I'm actually excited about this because Zimmer knows this guy so well, and I think the Vikings might go to some three safety packages, and I see this guy as a football chess piece. Football! Football, yeah! Football! I'm not entirely joking here. You're excited about the three safety alignments. Yeah, well, I was going to ask, okay, what two questions why is a guy with, I'm not going to say a headline name, but a, a, a fairly significant name defensively available right now? Uh, it's not like he's 35 or 36. He's not even 30 years old yet. He's only yep. 28 years so old. So he's still presumably at that position. I think you know there are some positions like safety, uh, maybe defensive tackle, where you can you don't have to have blazing speed, so you can get away with performing into your 30s much easier than, say, if you're a running back or you're a cornerback. So... The age cliff isn't a thing here, um, so it's a, so age. It, ma- it makes me question why is he available, and then what does this mean for Anderson Deho? I'm uh, excited too. I'm just I have a couple questions about it, it. And I'm just wondering. I honestly think it means it I, now because I've I've seen the immediate reaction was that they're going to package Sendejo to a team for a guard. This isn't baseball; like you don't really do that. Uh, I think it means very little to to Sendejo other than the fact it provides insurance, because he has not played a full season in four years. 
He's gotten hurt each of the last three years, and he's been a starter during that entire time. So I think it provides you insurance. Um, Iloka, according to the reports I read from him being released by the Bengals on Saturday or Sunday, his play had dropped off to the point where the Bengals used a second-round pick on a kid by the name of Jesse Bates, Hmm. a safety, who they then worked in in the first two preseason games at times with the first team in place of this guy. I think I honestly think what this does, and and this this is I guess um, my faith in Zim as, as far as his work with the secondary. I think what this does is this doesn't necessarily net you like a starter who's going to be a star. I think this gets you a guy who Mike knows well and feels that in certain situations he can still maximize him. Is it going to be not to keep playing? Negative Nelly here. No, I love okay. yeah. I love the addition. If a guy like this yeah. is available and there's a familiarity with the system, you go get him. So yeah. it's a hundred percent a great move, and it, and it it adds depth to your defense, et cetera, et cetera. Is there going to come a time in week nine or week ten? We are already sitting here questioning the addition, a luxurious addition of Mike Hughes in the first round. Now you're going to have a plethora of safeties and a plethora and an abundance of cornerbacks. But you're wondering if your offensive line can hold up. I wonder if that's going to become a conversation. Obviously, Mike Mike Zimmer's vision for a Super Bowl winning team, hoisting a Lombardi trophy, is the number one most unstoppable defense in the NFL. Absolutely. This helps fit his vision both behind the scenes and on the field, right? Yes. So... You know, if, if if your defense is good enough, and we've seen that maybe five times in the Super Bowl era, where an offense is kind of meh, the Ravens, yep. even I mean, the, I know the Bears had Walter Payton, but Walter Payton was in the twilight of his career when they won that Super Bowl by scoring fifty plus points. But it was defense that got them there in nineteen eighty five. I feel like that's Mike Zimmer's vision. That you know what? I know we have flaws on the offensive line. I know the quarterback is probably overpaid and is going to throw too many interceptions. But you know what? This defense is not going to drop off, and this defense will absolutely punch every team in the mouth in the NFC. I feel like that's what he thinks about when he goes to bed. I think that's right. Yeah, and I think he also, they need to go get a guard. As far as, far as I'm concerned, well, they got one. They, at they some signed point, a guy up nah, the street last week. Well, they just they <laughs> signed a center on Tuesday yeah. by the name of Judd. I have no idea who this kid yeah. is. Anyway, they need to go get, they either need to trade for it and, and or once the uh, that cutdown is made where you'll have some serviceable players out there available, they need to get a guard. But I think you're right. And here's the other thing that I wonder about, too. To your point about Zimmer, which is, and, and I think the scenario that you just went through is how he's wired. Like, I think he always thinks that. He was hired here because he, he was a great defensive mind. And I think... When he got hired here, the mandate was was we can't find a Rodgers or Stafford or at that time Cutler, so just stop him. Mm-hmm. And he's done a very good job of at least coming close to that, if not doing that at certain times. So the other thing I wonder if it's going through his mind is, you know, offensively, they were really good last year. But, Phil, they had a play caller who, as Caller and I spent a segment on today talking about, had a phenomenal season. Like, if you go back and think about all of the OCs that we've watched here who have struggled, mm-hmm. or like play calls, you're like, what's that? Or red zone. We got to a point last year where we took it for granted that Pat Shermer was going to make the perfect call, and he did. You had a quarterback who had a pop-up year that you never could have seen coming, but he was fantastic. He could move around and make plays. And because of that, you had receivers who were fantastic. You lost Dalvin Cook on October 1st and basically didn't miss a beat. And that's a Pro Bowl type of player. I wonder if Zimmer knows 
Offensively, this might take some time. And so we might spend four weeks, five weeks, with a mandate being the defense has to win. The offense can't screw up and cost us games, but we are not going to be the same team offensively. And the whole gelling process, whether it be Cousins or the line or the coordinator, Mm -hmm. it's going to take some time. So this is really about spending a quarter or a little bit more of the season relying on the thing that he knows. Yeah, I, I think it would make him uncomfortable if they had to take pieces away from the defense, whether it be a first-round pick that they used or you know, some salary cap space here and there to add guys like Ioloka, if it meant adding an extra 10% to the offense. I, I feel like he doesn't, need, he doesn't care about offense. It's that this backbone is defense. I actually found two from CincyJungle.com, which clearly must be a Cincinnati Bengals blog, I'm guessing. Three reasons or three different theories why George Iloka was released by the Bengals, why he was even available for the Vikings to sign today. And it's official. They sent out a press release. So if you're, this isn't just yep. uh, hat tip to our buddy Tom Pelissero. He was the first on Twitter this morning nice to scoop. report this, yeah, really as far as I saw. So theory number one, why would a guy like this, why would a big-name safety who was a hot free agent commodity a couple of years ago, why would he even be available? Why would the Bengals release him? And theory number one, according to CincyJungle.com, is that he didn't fit into uh, Terrell Austin's scheme defensively. Okay. Um, that it doesn't, let's see here. That, yeah, that whatever, that, that he wants a free-flowing center fielder who has stronger instincts against the pass and that Iloka didn't fit that, all right? Mm-hmm. Theory number two is the new helmet rule that George Iloka, according to various people who follow the Bengals, is a little bit more worried about trying to land a huge hit on opposing players rather than just playing the ball. So the Vikings have one of those in Anderson Dejos, and now I guess they've got two. Got two I mean, yeah. Harrison Smith is kind of a headhunter, too, but he seems a little bit less reckless than Anderson Dejos. It's yeah. hard not to be sometimes. And then the third theory is Reggie Nelson leaving for Oakland. And the Bengals moving Iloka uh, into Reggie Nelson's free safety role that he doesn't really like to play free safety. He likes to play strong safety. Okay, and so that they've that it just again it's not a fit. So, I mean, those aren't. I guess those don't seem like great reasons for the Bengals to release a good player. The ESPN but, story okay. that, that was done on on this just said a team uh, source said the Bengals weren't happy with Iloka's play in 2017, and he which he could was be a pretty well play, paid at the time. And that they actually pursued it. The guy that Zimmer had in camp, who we liked a lot, Kirk Coleman, when Carolina released him on February in February, but he didn't sign there. Yeah. So, but I, yeah, I just I don't think that this is going to. I don't think this move costs people their jobs. I think it gives the Vikings defensively m- more options. And and when it comes to secondary play, they do a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. So if it would not shock me one in one package. Uh, to see three safeties on the field and a linebacker. It would be really interesting if there were still a lot of gas left in Iloka's tank and the Bengals said, I don't know, doesn't really fit our scheme, even though he's a good player. And the Vikings said, well, we'll just make it work because he's a good player. Right. Which is what, what, but that's which what good teams do. Exactly. So, but wouldn't it wouldn't be that shocking if the Bengals, which are this bumbling franchise, even when they're good, they're, you know, they're losing playoff games with dumb 15-yard penalties and the Vikings, which at the end of the rainbow, they always wind up with a stick of dynamite in their hands. Right. But frequently a playoff team and over the last few years, a really smart, savvy defensive team. We like the move. If you have thoughts on it, George Iloka to the Vikings, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. We can also talk 
about the potential end of a dynasty, although I don't know if I would say that. A lot of people were saying that last night. Dan Hayes on Twins. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. I think for us, we're going to do our very, very best to um, look at everything open to us. Um, we have a lot of flexibility. Shell Reeve last night after the Lynx fell late at night to the Sparks in that one-game playoff. I don't know. We can talk more about this. We'll, we'll, we'll take calls here on George Iloka, too, but people were saying it's the end of a dynasty last night. It's it, the end of Lindsey it, Whalen's It's career. the end of this one. I don't know if but I, I don't know, that. But I don't know if, if, if it's the end of the franchises. Well, like like the, there are certain players. Waylon will be gone. Brunson is thirty six. She might be gone. Augustus possibly. So like this group, this group as we know it is going to be somewhat uh, broken up. I don't know though because to Collar's point, they're going to have a ton of cap room now. I mean they're they're, they're going to have a lot of salary with which to operate. I think he said they're going to have the sixth pick in the draft, so they could retool really quickly. And and Collar also said, and and he's exactly right. With the amount of salary space that they're going to have available to them, you're going to have veteran players who are going to want to jump here very, oh, sure. very quickly and say, "Play, play with Maya Moore." Oh yeah, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, play with Sylvia Fowles. Yeah. Play for Cheryl Reeve. It's exactly. it's very San Antonio Spurs like in that you've got they did such a great job winding down the Tim Duncan portion. Uh, Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili kind of fading into the background. Now, where they messed it up is they had Kawhi Leonard as this generational talent, and then the relationship got screwed up. Some of it's on Kawhi, some of it's on the Spurs. It's still been a good run, though. What, 20 years or something like that? Yes, but it, it the Lynx could do something similar and carry over the the next wave. If Simone Augustus, Lindsey Whalen were sort of that, the, the first two players carried over with Maya Moore, Sylvia Fowles. But let's go. The Vikings made it official a little while ago. They sent out a press release. George Iloka who they tried to get in free agency a couple off-seasons ago. He is on the roster now. Brent, we hear you're a Bengals fan. Yeah, we exist, man. Wow. Yeah, there's not too many of us out there. But you guys, uh, I think you're missing the boat a little bit on Aloka and why he's available. Okay. Um, the Bengals are, are a notoriously cheap franchise, and this saves us $3.1 million against the cap. We have uh, Dunlap and Atkins coming up for contract extensions, and we didn't have the money to get both of them done. So we tried every cheap option there was available, whether it was uh, Kirk Coleman. Uh, we drafted Jesse Bates in the second round, uh, brought in uh, Eric Reed out of San Francisco, trying to find a cheaper uh, person for that role. We finally found Bates, uh, felt good about it, and because we could save the money, we let uh, Loka go. It had nothing to do with talent. So you so, it, so did the Vikings pick up a really good player here in Iloka? Uh, depends how you use him. He's a really, really solid, strong safety. I, I think PFF had him as like a 67 last year uh, as a free safety, which he was playing out of position. If you can get him close to the line covering tight ends, I mean, he's a borderline all-pro guy still. Look at that, Brent, with a scouting right. report. We appreciate that, Brent. But that means this. I believe uh, I looked this up earlier in today's show. I believe he is six foot four. He's built like a linebacker. So to Brent's point, that's that's perfect. So because because you don't feel super confident about the third Vikings linebacker right now. You like no, you like Kendricks, you like Barr. It's Gideon. So you could yeah you could kind of mix and match Gideon Iloka depending on the scenario. Exactly, exactly. Hmm. And if you really hmm. want to geek out right now, football wise, 
Think of it this way. Harrison Smith is to a defense in in the National Football League what the NBA has cultivated. He's a multi-positional guy. Like, he's not just a safety. He plays linebacker. He can cover guys. He's Draymond Green. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if he's that and you can move him around that much, Iloka then be- becomes a guy that you can play at safety if Smith pinches up towards the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Or or Iloka is built like a linebacker, so he could take that that role as well. So this is all very intriguing because the thing that we've seen, especially probably starting in the last five years in, in this league, is multi-dimensional defensive players, right? Yes. How much do you think the NFC Championship game and specifically what happened with Zach Ertz, how much do you think that's been on the mind of Mike Zimmer? Enormous. Right? Enormous. I think Mike Zimmer knows flat out that on both sides of the ball that day, they got outcoached. They got worked. But And and the thing that, and, and, and I don't know, some of it was just, well, they didn't think Nick Foles was going to be able to make two or three of the throws that he made. Right and or they thought and they got out schemed. Yeah, like, they, they thought their secondary their wouldn't, work. wouldn't bite on a double yeah. move by Zach Ertz. Sure. But but if there is a, I don't think you yes. go into the offseason thinking, well, I guess we'll just do better next time. I think in his mind it was, is there a tool or a piece we can add? And whether it's Sheldon Richardson or drafting Mike Hughes, I think that game has been on his mind. Def- offensively, it was a disaster, but I think it's been on his mind defensively more than anything else. I think you're right. I think you're right, and I think that that gave him. I think that emboldens him to say, we're good, but not great. Why not? And and keep in mind, too, every offensive coordinator is going to sit down and watch the Eagles-Vikings game and go to school on that. So if you don't adjust and change mm-hmm. things, guess they're going to do the same exact thing. Now, that doesn't mean that the rest of the league across the board has the talent to do that, but if four teams do, it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So now, now you can counter that. Yeah, I, I really like that. So the NFL is headed to sort of not completely positionless offensive chess pieces, but a lot more tight ends who are pass catchers and wide receiver-like off the line of scrimmage. A lot of shape-shifting wide receivers who can line up different spots and running backs who are much more efficient catching passes out of the backfield. And your counter move defensively isn't to get bigger and stronger. Your, your counter is to get more agile, to become more of a seven-on-seven-like Correct. defense, right? right? And Yes, and Iloka can probably be put into certain packages where where his size and weight will will simulate what a linebacker can do, but he's more agile th- th- than that player. And you're right, but Kendricks is really good, and Barr can be r- really good. But you get to Gideon, you're not that excited. It's not like, oh my gosh, you got to play him. And now, so if you now go to a package that has three safeties, it makes a lot of sense. And a, li- and, and a tight end who is essentially a tight end slash receiver is going to have a lot more difficulty dealing with a safety that can cover him as opposed to if I try and put a small corner because he he can simply shake that guy off. It's also entirely possible that Mike Zimmer is just forecasting ahead for the eight games Anderson Dejo is going to be suspended for violating the NFL's new helmet rules. (laughs) This is sad, but very, very true. Well, I think we got a guy on our roster who's probably not going to adapt. Unnecessary roughness number 34, (laughs) ejection. You're right. Good thing we picked up George Iloka at the end of the offseason. Um, yeah, we can come back to this later on. And we have Dan Hayes coming up next to talk some twins. The twins just sent out a fun press release too. The 2019 schedule, baby. Nice we work. got all one sixty-two. Nice work, Major League Baseball. We'll you've, g- you've done it again. 
Why do they do that? Why don't why why would you send your schedule we'll come, out? We'll come back and ask Dan Hayes. I don't understand a lot of things about this sport. Doesn't make sense. The NFL does a basically has a full month of yes. anticipation in their offseason for oh here's our schedule. Yes. Why is this not? Baseball is like our uh, our schedule's out. Yeah. Now that the NFL <laughs> is starting, you put it out on an arbitrary day when the when teams are playing. Why wouldn't you put this out in November? You've got a network, right? I would assume that you're looking for program for said network. Why would you not have a show? to announce your schedule in the offseason when you could get interest. Hey, imagine how much time you could eat up on MLB, on MLB Network by just going game by game for 30 different teams, baby. Four analysts, win-loss, win, win-loss win, for 30 different teams. Win-loss, bullpen game, <laughs> opener game. Yes, exactly. All right, Dan Hayes from The Athletic to talk some twins when we come back. Right now at Luther Brookdale Toyota, the national clearance event is happening. There are a couple 2019 models on the lot. So they're all the 2019s are trickling in here, which means this is your best opportunity of the year to get into a brand new 2018 Toyota. So on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, you get the best combination of durable vehicles, world-class vehicles in Toyota and world-class service. My family and I can speak to this for 30 plus years. I know there's a million different car dealerships and service departments in the Twin Cities. I haven't even thought twice about going somewhere else. You'll get the same peace of mind, the same experience, the same expertise my family and I have been getting for decades. And you'll get great deals on these 2018 models. We're talking 0% financing, 600 different 2018s on the lot. Uh, I Check out some of the lease specials as well. I, I recommend the two- and three-year lease options because then you can check out new technology every once in a while. Luther Brookdale, Toyota. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, with the man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Dan, you want to go line by line here? They just announced their schedule for 2019. You want to go game by game, all 162? <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's have a projection right now. Why, why does Major League Baseball... not? It's not like the NFL, I guess, where people would be glued to their TVs for a three-hour schedule unveil. I get that, but... Why not at least try to do something with it in the off season? Do we like what's the reason they have to announce this today and not sometime in November? Uh, football's in full swing then, doesn't it get lost? I, I wonder if that's what it is. You know, I, I don't know. It's lost a, now? I it, totally. I agree. I mean, hey, there's it's hard to get excited. People get excited about the interleague matchups, who you're going to play, who you're going to face. I mean. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I heard there's two New York trips, um, and I think every Twins beat writer just cheered over that. Um, so, especially uh, Lavelle. <laughs> Lavelle's really happy today. They'll, a lot of good cigar yeah, bars. Phil, Phil and Lavelle will each get a trip to New York next year now, and, and I'm sure that's very <laughs> exciting for them. So, all right, let's start March 28th, Cleveland 310. Winner oh, loss. It's in Minnesota, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is March 28th. Oh. Minnesota. Good luck with that. Yeah. Well, that three ten. We're gonna go uh, snow. Um, <laughs> game two snow. Game three snow. Makeup in September. Now, now at least the reasoning for that is the I final four sound. is it's is totally here. To, yeah. No. No. To get them out of town. It, it is absolutely a sound reasoning. You can't accompany that event. It, it but uh, it still doesn't make it any better that we're gonna be in. Minneapolis on March 28th playing baseball. Um, I mean, it should be illegal to be playing baseball in Chicago, Minneapolis, and Detroit yep. uh, until about April 10th. I've got a question, though. 
All right, so Detroit comes here. I'm with you playing at Detroit or or here against Detroit seems dumb, but here's the one that I totally just don't get and will never get. Four-game series, uh, April 15th through the 18th against Toronto, which plays in a dome. What what are they even thinking? Yeah. Hey, why not play up there? Why yes. not do it the other way? But but you know what? That's a, a, who is it? so it's Cleveland to start. Who's the next opponent in? Detroit. Not till the twelfth. Oh, okay. Well, I mean that's good though. Your first two home opponents are in the division and easily rescheduable. And I think we talked about that in April with how ridiculous it is and the chances you take. But yeah, why not go to Toronto on that April series and play it there with the dome and have them come in the summertime? I mean, not that we've seen you know. Look at the last couple nights with the rain. It's not like uh, you're escaping weather no matter what time of year it is. I mean, uh, rain rains just as much havoc. It just means longer nights. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it's definitely uh, strange. At least they got the, the central division on its part right because that's the biggest thing, to be able to make it up. I mean, who isn't going to be hyped for the uh, White Sox Twins doubleheader on Friday, September twenty eighth this year. <laughs> oh um, my god! <laughs> with four games to go. <laughs> Actually, I do have a White Sox. So you just for the audience, you used to and and you you still spend a lot of the year in Chicago. You're in Chicago right now, I believe, as we yes, see you right. Yes. Uh, you covered yep. the White Sox. The White Sox went aggressive with a teardown and are, and they stockpiled prospects for two years, and they've got one of the best young collections in baseball. And you saw one of them last night. I know that he only pitched two innings because of, of the rain. He, he might not have lasted much longer because his pitch count was at 50, but Michael Coe pitches up. Uh, Eloy yeah. Jimenez is going to be up at some point. How soon should the Twins and other teams in that division be looking at the White Sox as le- a legit team, as a, as a major league collection? I, I think probably two years, but it, it's going to be funny that the White Sox and Twins both get good again. The cycle comes back, and here they are having these epic battles again because I think that's the way they're headed. I mean, look, we're going to see Carlos Rodon today, and as long as he's healthy and you have Kopech and Rodon at the top of your rotation, wow. Uh, especially when you have Ronaldo Lopez, who's currently there, probably there two just because of the situation, um, but he's got three or four stuff. Uh, he, you know, you throw in, if Giolito ever figures it out, and he's really had some struggles, and, and who knows what his future holds, but I mean, You've got the makings there of a really good rotation. Dylan Cease is another guy they got in the uh, in that uh, Jose Quintana trade, and you know Eloy Jimenez. Uh, honestly, I was doing a lot of background work on him last year, and uh, people are saying top ten hitter. He hits to all fields with power. Uh, great personality, Kopech. Great personality. Like they they really did it right on acquiring the big names. I mean, Yohan Moncada was the other part. If if they end up trading Chris Sale and Jose Quintana, and they get four legitimate major leaguers between Cease, Kopech, Moncada, and and, uh, and uh, Eloy Jimenez out of it. Um, wow. I mean, they, they did really, really well. And and so it's going to be interesting to see how these two teams battle it out because the Twins already have a lot of that talent here. They have a lot more coming. Uh, they've had such a great year on the farm system, and that's going to focus a little bit on that the next week or two here. I'm going to go see Royce Lewis uh, next week and um, it should be a really interesting. Both teams have a lot of waves of talent, and the White Sox are still going to have a top five pick next year, so hmm. they're going to keep adding. 
How bigger concern in your mind is the lack of progress of Nick Gordon at AAA? Uh, Jake DePew actually told me that he has struggled so badly that he's got some questions about if Gordon will be a September first call up. Should that be concerning, or or is or should we not overreact to the fact that he might not be brought up here on September one? Do you think, Dan? I mean, he'll be ready when he is, and and it is. It's been he looked great in spring training, almost to the point where you thought if he has a good month or two. Um, maybe he gets up to the majors. Obviously, he's blocked by Brian Dozier, but it, it has not gone well in the second half, and it's the second year in a row. So, I, I, you know, there's some concern for sure. I think the fact that you look at what their other young guys have done um, between Royce Lewis, between Alex Kirilov, and, and Graterall, you can, you can take a year where one of your top guys goes the opposite way. I mean, Gonzalez has been good. You know, at the start of the year, we were talking about Nick Gordon, Fernando Romero, and... and uh, Steven Gonzalez, and I know Monday didn't go well for Gonzalez, but, I mean, he had a great second half in AA and AAA. And, I mean, he's a guy we weren't even really looking at as much, and, and he's a solid three or four in, in a major league rotation if he can do what he did in the minors. That's where, you, where you're separating yourself now because the guys that look like they can be superstars have all taken huge leaps forward. And, and so a year where Gordon is down, I mean, it, it's tough. I don't know that it destroys your future plan, though, the way that it would have been if Royce Lewis had taken a big step back this year yeah. or, you know, somebody like Graterall, who looks like he could be a front of your rotation guy, a one or a two. And, and if he does that in a couple of years and you've got him and Gibson and Barrios and Gonzalez, you have a really good rotation. Uh, what's, what's the thought, Dan Hayes here from The Athletic, the thought, on Jorge Polanco's last, whatever, two months, however long it's been since he's been back, uh, post-PED suspension? I, You know, honestly, I, I keep being impressed every time. He takes great at-bats. He does not scare in the clutch. Some add the two-run single last night. Uh, he's proven to me, I mean, I remember last year joking around because all his home runs seemed to come against the White Sox, and it's understandable. This is a this is a launching pad here in uh, Chicago, but... Um, I was voting MVP, and I was going to vote him number one. I kept joking because he just <laughs> murdered the White Sox. But, I mean, he's consistent with his approach almost every time. And we've seen him get better from the right side, which is where he needed to make the gains. Uh, the left side seems pretty easy for him. And um, it's just it's consistent. It's impressive. The defense isn't perfect. Um, but I think that he hits enough. And if you can bat him third, and he doesn't have to be a power guy in that spot, if you have some power guys around him, uh, you put him in between Rosario and Snow, the way Snow's playing. I, I, I like that 2-3-4. It's a group that wears you out and can really put the ball in play. And I, I think that when you consider all those things, you don't mind the defense enough. I mean, he's, if he's hitting three the way he is, that's, that's a good spot for him. And, and the defense plays at what he's giving you offensively. Dan Hayes, I know that the last uh, three games or so in, in the big picture of baseball mean nothing. I mean, they're they're you know basically bad teams uh, playing out the string, but they have been walking advertisements for the electronic strike zone because it was CB Buckner last night, and my God, my dog Stella can call balls and strikes more effectively than him. The two games before that, it was it was young umps who I hadn't heard of who really really struggled. I mean, I've gotten to to the point now, it, it's embarrassing to watch this. And I mean, CB Buckner and Angel Hernandez calling balls and strikes should never ever happen. There was a, just to add to what Judd said, there was a pitch. So Kopik was having 
his usual problems, just finding the strike zone. And yeah. and so pitchers like that get punished by human umpires because, oh, he's not throwing strikes, and that pitch is on the borderline, and so it's not a strike. And there was a couple that he throws this nice little fastball, 97 miles an hour downward movement right at the top of the knees, and C.B. Buckner doesn't even flinch. It's like, dude, what? Like, I know that yeah. this is the opposing pitcher, and Twins fans don't want him to throw strikes, but that's a strike. I don't care if he's 3-0 and to somebody you're having control problems. Uh, it's it's pretty ridiculous. They're, you know, and I will say, look, they are under a microscope just like the players are, and they're getting pretty heavily scrutinized, and I think the older guys are getting killed this year. I mean, you just look at it, and it's it's not been good. I mean, I, you know, you, you watch, and, and sure, the camera can't totally account for everything. It gives us this box, and it's the same box for a smaller guy as it is for a 6'6 guy, you know, and, and so... I, it probably the technology could be perfected, but the technology is pretty good and it gives us an idea. And you know, some of the calls that you see, especially the high strikes that miss by a couple inches, and they're called strikes. I mean, I think Kopech, you're, you're talking about the bottom end and him not getting some calls. He did get one against Joe Mauer down the second inning. That <laughs> I, I trust Joe Mauer's ability to see strikes. Um, you know, there's certain guys where you you know that they know their zone so well, and they get that respect, and it was kind of surprising for him to not get that last night um, because he knows his zone. It reminds me a lot of watching Barry Bonds and where Barry Bonds would just know and be like, no, that's not a strike, and them would be like, no, you're right. That's not a strike. That's a ball. <laughs> and, and, and it's almost like Joe doesn't have that same demeanor, but at the same time, he knows his zone. And when you see him look back and, and wonder where the pitch was, um, it happens a lot, and C.B. Buckner sure jumps up on that radar a ton. Um, uh, Angel Hernandez, my goodness, when he's out there, it's almost like don't watch the game because you just it's it's a wild card. So, uh, it, and you know the funny part is, is if if they ever did elect to go with the electronic strike zone, it would basically mean that there'd still be a home plate umpire to be there for plays at the plate to to alert people on a ball or strike whatever it was, whatever the. It's, it would only be taking away the human error function of it, um, but it wouldn't be taking away a job. You know what? You know, it's kind of like you go to a grocery store, and now you pretty much, you know, like you scan your own card, and you can bring your own grocery bag now, and the cashier doesn't have as many responsibilities as maybe 10 years ago. There. But you know what? They train those cashiers to create conversations over two minutes that keep the, 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 the vibe lively, right? Maybe Do you have a cup card? You ju- exactly. You teach the umpires how to hold small talk conversations just to kind of keep the atmosphere light while, while, the, while the robot does all the work. Do you have a rewards it, it card? It would uh, be interesting if umpires could be in, in nice conversations that we... I'm sure they go on all the time, but hey, man, we never really noticed those ones. We noticed the bad ones. Hey, did you hear the one about the grounds crew keeper and the pine tar? <laughs> Are you sure I can't interest you in a another ball or strike? <laughs> all right, Dan. Uh, see you, Dan Hayes. All right, thanks, guys. Bye, Dan Hayes from the on, Athletic. I hate to harp on this, but last night was another gong show. It's well, CB Buckner's been the gong show of home plate umpires for ten years. Mauer right? had two consecutive games where he looked at the home plate umpire after a strike three call, like, mm. no, no, that's not, no, that's not even close. Do you like how he kind of purses his lips and he and he says, "You sure?" He goes, "You sure?" and kind of tilts his head and then does the Minnesotan. He actually, he actually had a lengthy enough exchange two nights ago where it kept going. I never have seen that. I wonder if he cursed. He was in the. He was. He was walking back. He was halfway to the dugout. And they were still talking. Yeah, he'll he'll get a little chirpy sometimes. He knows the strike zone be better than most umpires. Run.
It would be it would be a personal lifetime highlight if I saw Joe get run. If he grew a beard and turned heel for the last five weeks of his just takes the bat and starts chucking him on the feet. I'm looking at the schedule here. The twin the, the twins just announced their 2019 schedule. I don't know why baseball does this, but whatever. And there's a bold line in here that's kind of interesting. It says during the months of April and May, so pr- but prior to Memorial Day. So from the start of the season until Memorial Day, and then for all of September, the Twins have moved weekday night home games to a 6:40 p.m. start instead of 7:10. Yep. Presumably because 7:10 with the way that baseball games drag on and on for 3 plus hours now, you don't want to bring a family to the ballpark, and you kids got, got kids got school, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And so if if you start a half hour early, maybe the game gets over by nine thirty or ten o'clock instead of ten thirty or whatever. Yep, I can see why this makes some sense. Yes, the the acknowledgement finally that the sport goes far too long. So if you can't fix it by uh, by speeding up the game enough, you you can at least start uh, school night games Monday through Thursday sure. at least at six forty p.m. It's uh, and by the way. I got a note here that says um, there are going to be 15 April and May home games, including the March games, which uh, is one more than they had in April and May of this year, which means that baseball, that if the Twins did go to them and say, give us a break, baseball said, no, thanks. Yeah, and and the, the Toronto series, which you mentioned, they play four games against Toronto at home. In the middle of April, as opposed to because Toronto's got an indoor stadium, so you could flip flop that. But whatever, baseball hasn't solved this problem. Interleague, you got the Mets on the schedule. Looks like well, you got the Brewers as always, but looks like you've got the National League East. You do this upcoming year, right? Yep. So in July, the Mets. If you're if you're a Twins fan looking to see a National League team that you haven't seen in a while at Target Field, the Mets come to town in July. You got Braves coming to town in August, and maybe the Bryce Harper-less Washington Nationals coming to town in September. Be kind of fun yep. if he was playing for the Nationals. You could watch Bryce Harper hit bombs at Target Field. I don't think he will be. I think you're probably right about that. Boy, I they were caught think... in a tough spot because you know they, what? Now they've faded, and they probably should have traded him at some point. Their GM has to be fired. Rizzo. This is the same guy, and we talked about this at the time, and I think uh, agreed. When they shut Strasburg down a few years ago, and if they had come out and said, listen, his arm, there's problems here, I think we all would have said, oh, okay, it's not great, but mm-hmm. I get it. But his statement at the time was, there's going to be a lot more of these for us, and so we're going to shut them down right now to be careful. And everyone, you, me, everyone, I think, said, what are you doing? Like, these are these opportunities come around, and you've got to embrace them. And the hubris that he showed, I think, is biting him in the ass right now. I would fire him. Yeah, and then you know, who knows what? The, obviously, there's going to be a bunch of teams interested in Bryce Harper. But if they wind up, they'll make him the qualifying offer. He'll turn it down, so they'll at least get draft pick compensation. But they might wind up with these two generationally great talents, Strasburg and Max Scherzer. Yeah, is one of the great well, pitchers of this generation, and Bryce Harper. And they've wasted this. They've thing. done very little in the postseason. They didn't even make it to a World Series. And right? they're a mess. Not, no, did they win a playoff series? I don't think they did. I don't think they made it to the NLCS once. Wow, with Bryce Harper, Max Scherzer, Max Strasburg, Max Strasburg, Steven Strasburg, <laughs> and they've also had great. 
peripheral secondary they, players too. They Zimmerman, had they, Gio Gonzalez has been awesome for them. Didn't for a they while. have? Didn't they have a fairly substantial playoff lead on the Cardinals a few years yes, back? Yes, it was. And the, they were like one strike away. It was Tyler Clippard, I think, that absolutely yeah just blew it in, in like the bottom of the ninth, like a four run lead game five, and that's couldn't right. get it out. It was like twenty twelve, I think. Yeah, the Cardinals had that that stretch of two or three years where they just came back on everybody. They yeah. came back. And they're doing on, it again now this year. Yeah, well, since Matheny got, I mean, like got in the playoffs, but yeah, yeah, but but I'm just saying that. But the Washington Nationals are such a mess, and their clubhouse now is, is a complete mess. And they fired Dusty, which I was okay with, but Dave Martinez has lost all control. And and their GM, the guy that they traded to Oakland, the uh, the re- reliever who melted down a few weeks back, and they designated him for assignment. I think traded him quickly. It turns out that he and the GM basically had to be separated and almost got in a fist fight. Yeah. That's good management. Can you see, like, Falvey? Come on, Addison Reed, you've been a big disappointment. I Let's could, throw I, down. I, I, could see, uh, I could see Levine cracking a one-liner and offending somebody, maybe. Getting a shot to the but chops. That's, but that's about it, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, this idiot, <laughs> this idiot got so mad, they basically the GM's trying to fight the pitcher. Yeah, baseball's tough because you can't, you can't just say, oh, we're guaranteed because we have a really good pitcher to be really good for five or six years. Oh. Elbow surgeries happen. Things like what happened with Buxton and Is there Snow any happen. sport in which, you, in which you could put out a statement saying, we're shutting said player down because we're just going to yeah. be so good for so long? Basketball, absolutely. In basketball. We're so, going to shut Joel Embiid down because he's going to be great for 10 years. But that's about it. Right. I was going to say, but football, no. Hockey, football no. Football with a quarterback, I mean, it doesn't happen very often. Andrew Luck would be an example, and we'll find but out. But I think the statement, I think I think the comments and statement should be, we are very concerned about this pitcher. Not, we're going to be back here for a lot of years, so yeah. so we're just going to shut him down now. Yeah. Baseball's all, I don't... I, That's I don't, tempting the gods. Has it always been, it feels like baseball has become so random now where teams just flip the switch one way or the other, where... The, the Braves and the Phillies are sitting there, and they're dormant for a number of years, and they've got young talent, but all of a sudden it just pops at once. Oakland. Yeah? If you're a Twins fan and you're saying to yourself, "This is you're not, we're never coming back, look at Oakland. Mm-hmm. And as Stark said, look at that starting pitching staff. Yeah, and you could also say, so with Oakland, I mean, Oakland is always kind of a mystery of like, who are their players and what are they doing behind the scenes, and they've always been this innovative franchise, but they've had... Such a low budget that they can't always cash in when they're doing all these smart things. The Phillies seem like a great example of two things happened this year. They had a bunch of good young players, the Reese Hoskins and various players who popped up, and it was the right manager at the right time. Correct. The people made fun of for the first week because he had a couple weird gaffes, but Gabe Kapler yep. has been a wonderful manager for them. Agreed. And I that's that's where you start to talk about Molitor or anything. And I think Molitor has done a good job overall during his tenure. But is there somebody else that the Twins front office has in mind that says, you know what, man, if we just put the perfect manager with this collection, boom, 10, 15 win jump and all of a sudden yeah. everything happens. And I, I think we get too hung up on on can they win individual games, which is not the point. I think the point is. Who can maximize Sano, Buxton, that mm-hmm. group? Like who can walk? Who can walk into what is a long, arduous season and look at those guys and get the most from them consistently? We get too hung up on uh, he screwed up the bullpen in yes. game eighty-three, which is going to happen. And what we don't look at is we don't take that step back and say, 
Is Molitor the guy to get the most from this group of players who you absolutely have to? Yes. Can can he get... Which is what Kapler did. Yep. Can he get this collection of 25 to play at their 90th percentile more regularly as opposed to their 50th percentile? And, well, no more evidence needed than the Boston Red Sox of five years ago, the chicken and the fried chicken and beer yep. in the clubhouse team with Bobby Valentine. It was essentially the same team. Mm-hmm. And they... and and. and and Carl Cor- Crawford was a scapegoat, and Adrian Gonzalez. And Cora's now done great. Right, and John but, Farrell was but, sort of an old school guy who I don't think could maximize his player's potential. But what happened was they fired Bobby Valentine. They lost 90 games. They brought in John Farrell and won the World Series the next year with 20 of the same guys on the right. Mm-hmm. It might be more than that, but it was like the same Dustin Pedroia and David Ortiz. And so, yeah, it's hard to quantify a manager's value sometimes, but it'll be something to watch this offseason as you see examples in Atlanta and Oakland and Philadelphia is the big one. Uh, Declan, you got some questions for us. What kind of what do you want to tease for questions for uh, we're gonna our bring vast back up, audience? We're going to bring back up David Morgan. We were in a David Morgan debate before you were in, Phil. Wow. You guys had a David Morgan debate. It wasn't a debate. What's Co- been happening on this? Collar had a hot David Morgan take. I, need, I, I would love Collar to be in here with me for this, but you'll have to just listen. A David Morgan debate. Wow. Football, 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 yeah, it wasn't a debate. It was an extremely hot take by Collar regarding David Morgan. Maybe the police. Maybe the hot take. Yeah. Guys. Okay. 